So, Hannah. Hey, Evan. What are we talking about today? So, today we are talking about this rare middle space that we are in, where we are actually finished with a project and not immediately jumping into the next project. That sounds nice. Right? That's a nice situation. This moment is an absolute gift, and it is not one that we have gotten very often. Right. Often there's just a financial or emotional necessity to dive into the next thing. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about what we'd want to do in a situation like this, usually when we're in the middle of a project being like, if only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never felt like mud was terrible. I really didn't. I actually really enjoyed all of our work on MUD. It was just that it continued farther than we expected. Yeah, it did go on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyable work. But it was work that was on a deadline, that was a priority above everything else. And that, that kind of work always pushes the longer term slower sort of maintenance goal-oriented work pushes it down the line kicks yeah. the can yeah proverbs the proverb <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean part of what this episode is about is i feel like i've had this idea maybe other people have this idea that making games like being somebody who is trying to make a living as a game designer like that it's primarily about the game design, that you finish a game and then you are making your next game. Uh-huh. When really a big part of it is you finish the game and then you leave yourself enough time to sell the game that you've made. Right. And not just leave yourself enough time that like you you like you do the work of figuring out what I don't know, like who who you are. Your branding, your identity, like mm -hmm. just who you are as a person selling games and what it looks like for you to now get this thing that you made in front of other people. Um, and we just often haven't had the luxury of leaving ourselves time for like a finished project to breathe, which is something we've talked about before. And before when I mentioned like an emotional necessity to get to the next thing. Sometimes that's about just the compromises that you have to make to finish a project. And like, I think we've had the experience where we finish something and we're just like, okay, I'm either sick of the topic of this game, I'm sick of looking at it, um, or I'm unhappy with some element of it. I just want to move on to the next thing. I've been dreaming about how much better the next thing could be for the past number of months. Yeah. Oof. So part of the luxury of feeling like having some space to breathe here is feeling proud of how mud turned out and like feeling like it's worth spending time, well, not just on mud, but also sort of 
coming around on all of our games and thinking about how all of them deserve some time to be given attention, given time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Part of the reason that mud ended up taking so long was that mud represented for us like the start of Turtle Bun as a company, like this new gaming endeavor that we were doing. And we wanted to bundle the mud Kickstarter with like some really intentional updates to all of the other small games we've made before. Right. You know, in our mind, <laughs> it's like we kickstarted mud as this two week Kickstarter back in October we gave it an estimated delivery date of April, being like, what is this small zine? We're just going to get this done. It costs $10, and yeah. it's going to be small. Like, it's it will be a zine. People know what a zine is like. Like, the expectations will match the expectations of a zine for us and others. And then we're going to take all this other time that we've given ourselves with this generous April delivery estimate to update You and Astronaut, which is one of our other zines, mm -hmm. to update... Enter the Orb, which is our 90s CG animation game, and even to update the text on, like, Birds Are Amazing and some of our little postcard games, poems that have, like, you know, 36 words each. Uh, and, you know, that was... <laughs> April seemed like... Like, we thought about that date. Yeah. We were like, that's so much time. Mm -hmm. And Mud just shipped. And it's August. Right. 2019th. <laughs> so, Mud took longer than we expected. The other two games actually went really quickly, You and Astronaut and Enter the Orb. It's just that by the time we were working on those, we were already late yeah. on Mud. And so it really felt like, why did we promise all this? When I don't think we actually promised too much. Like, I think it was a pretty reasonable set of things. And just now, just over the past like week or two, it's starting to really feel like it's paying off as we add these games to the website and see it go from a website that had two products total to like seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many things. It's like, there's so many things I want to talk about right now. I want to talk about like, you know, uh, mistakes we've made on Kickstarter part two, um, <laughs> which there are uh, like a number of sort of ones that we made with the mud Kickstarter that I feel like were like a little bit of rookie mistakes. Uh, no way. What's a rookie mistake that we made? Okay. Name one. Okay. With me insisting that we could send them at this like special uh flats and letters class oh that was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when we do like our next like specific episode about shipping mistakes oh you guys get ready i'm gonna talk about flats and envelopes and our friend dan at the post office <laughs> who's warned us to do better next time um but that's not what this episode is about. This episode is about having this opportunity to do the work of games that involves not making games, but like figuring out how to uh, support support the things you've already made. 
And that's what we're going to be doing for the next like eight weeks. Right. And I want to make a distinction between taking a break after a project and whatever it is we're about to do over the next few weeks, which is still work, but is just not work focused on making a new thing, but work based on doing the best we can with the things that we've already made and doing like long-term planning and deciding and organizing the different projects we have on our plate. For some reason, for, I don't know why I'm like imagining us as like the old timey heads of some like mining company that are like, well, I wasn't just there as the president of Mining Incorporated. I was down in the mines with the workers doing mm -hmm. the hard work. That's what I also don't know why you're imagining <laughs> that. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, we're not just making the games. We're also making the tweets and, you know, like updating the website like part of chipping away in the tweet mines we're like yeah we're chipping away in the tweet mines and i don't know i think i mean i think that some bigger companies have so if we were in a bigger company and there's not that many like role-playing game companies that actually have this luxury uh you know maybe we'd be like the idea guys and then there would be support interns interns unpaid interns we would just be living out all of our values <laughs> um, there would be it was like maybe there would be somebody doing the tweeting updating the website right uh but we do all of that because of the scale at which we're working and also because we like genuinely enjoy it but don't always have time for it like, it's just, like, this is the part of the work that suffered is, like, having a website where people can easily buy one of our games. Like, it's never that we haven't been aware of that as a priority. It just the priority was always, like, get to the next Kickstarter. Right, right. Once you have one of those promises over your head that you're going to ship in April, <laughs> it's like, and then and then you're late. And, like, it's, it's one thing to say you're going to ship in April, and then it's, then it's when you're in June... And you're like, okay, well, we really can't muck about with the website right now. Yeah. It's like, just got to finish this thing. Yeah. So things have to stay sort of broken or in a middle with all these like patchwork solutions. And I think that some people find themselves there for, for years or forever yeah. with this level of like a company. And like, I, I get it. Yeah. I mean, it's a... Like I said before, it's like a financial need to just be doing the next thing. And it's exasperated by the fact that Exas right now... Exasperated or exacerbated? Oh, exacerbated. <laughs> yeah. It is exacerbated. Exacerbated? Exacerbated. Exacerbated. I know, it's like you can't think about it too hard. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> just like it's one of those words where you just have to say it and keep going. Exacerbated. Yeah. <laughs> Exacerbated. It's, uh, it's that thing. Um, by the fact that we have a lot of experience with Kickstarters, we've gotten better at Kickstarters, and Kickstarters have become the most reliable way for us to make money. And we keep thinking about how the store could be a place to make money. People could buy our old games instead of just congregating around the new thing. But that takes time and work 
and that time in work is starting from uh, just like a much rougher, smaller, itty bitty space compared to the Kickstarter. So when do you do that long term sort of investment and give that kind of time and care to the old projects? Now, now, is now is when we do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a sense that I started to get when we were still doing stuff with make big things. Uh, and Brian was really good at this, like our, our coworker, Brian from make big things like Brian, I think really had a good sense of how much time and effort and worth was in like, uh, putting together a, an ad strategy. Right. And that that was like real work and that that work could take days. Like it wasn't something that you could just like, okay, we're working on this game and now let's like take this five minute break or even a 30 minute break that like, those were like projects right and i think i started to develop that sense while we were doing some make big things work of like okay updating like if we want to update the noirlandia page like that might take a day if we're right. going to do it well so now going into turtle bun i have this like respect for that work yeah and i think it's cool I mean, thinking it's this new way of thinking for me of like, okay, it's not just making Noirlandia that had value. It's like making the Itchio page. And that work might take three hours. Mm -hmm. Like It could take more of between making the graphics and reading it and reading it over to ourselves and then sharing it with other people. And the other mm -hmm. people are like, oh, this doesn't actually really describe the game and linking to places where there have been podcasts of it or interviews like it's. It is work that is as important as making the game, and it is, like, non-trivial, and it takes days of time. Right. Um, but the one thing that I'll say about it also is that a lot of that work is front-loaded. Is that, like, after you've done it, it's really easy to maintain it. You can make the space for it as a more natural part of the workday, but, like, it's a lot of work in the beginning. And it's enjoyable work. It's like part of why we describe this time as a gift. It's like, it's nice to have the space to get around to this. I'm liking it. I think probably, I mean, you know, everybody has the work that they enjoy. There might be some people who just like, they don't like this part, but mm -hmm. I, I love all of it. Like I love updating our itch.io pages and setting up stupid Shopify down to like packaging up our games and bringing them to the post office. Like it's, it feels really good to have to be hands-on in all parts of this process in the long term. So we started talking about our website and like rewriting our descriptions of our old games and making that all more accessible, better, mm -hmm. better, what's the word? Better, better pitches. Better. Better. Just That's better the word. is actually the word. Yes. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So we've, I mean, we've added our new games or new new and updated games to the site so mud and enter the orb and you and astronaut and those like we've we sort of considered the language and um you know maybe there's still work that we want to do and then the next pass is like looking at the games that have been there for years noirlandia and dan the man and mm -hmm. giving them the same treatment and like, thinking about what we've learned over the years. I mean, I think one thing with having a game that you get a chance to bring it to conventions and you get to see who buys it and what 
tweets even like what tweets take hold and which ones like die in the timeline you start to learn how to pitch your game better i also feel like we've done so well in kickstarter for making a description of a game that resonates with people and they end up clicking a button that says they'll have to wait four months and then they even wait eight months yeah yeah (laughs) I feel like our website descriptions aren't on that level and I and then there's no reason for that like we should definitely be able to get them to the same place where somebody who actually has already taken the time to come to turtlebun.com and click on a thing and look at it we should be able to convince that person or at least to like properly convey what this game is to somebody so that like if it's a game they'd like they'll know it and be ready to hit a button. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge, it is a much bigger leap, like backing a Kickstarter, even though technically there's there's no reason to have faith in a in something that you back on Kickstarter. I mean, there's ways that you can like have faith because you know the creator, or you've backed three other games from the company and they've delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's, it's like Kickstarter is not, it's like Kickstarter is not a store. That is right. what Kickstarter says. But I think there is like a trust that people have or a familiarity at least in the process. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a huge ask to ask people to like come to our store and right. buy from turtlebun.com. Right. Like how fast do we ship? How are we real? <laughs> are we real? Are we real? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've entered a world where it's a little bit weird to buy something from a place that isn't Amazon, eBay, or Etsy, you know? Yeah. I remember years ago buying, getting like a gift for you. It was this Go book. Oh, yeah. And I bought it from some sort of like Go store. Mm -hmm. Like they had Go books and Go boards. And I sent, like I sent, I PayPal'd maybe. Maybe it wasn't PayPal. Maybe it was credit card. I got, like, no nothing. Like, I got no confirmation email. I got nothing. Like, I was just like, I just got scammed. (laughs) (laughs) And then the book showed up, like, you know, two weeks later. And I was like, oh. Um, But I can feel, like, I can imagine that experience of, like, coming to Turtle Bun and and being like, I'm, like, sending my money into a void. Right. Um, Some of it, I mean, we did recently switch to Shopify, and, like, Mm -hmm. I think that that also, like, instills some sort of slight boosted confidence just because the experience looks a little more streamlined and protected, Um, and that makes a difference. But I still just, like, our our task is monumental in that, like, we don't just have to have the best possible descriptions of our games. We also have to be, like, you know, in the shadow of giants yeah and there's a weird tension between basically like borrowing the look and feel of those big websites which has a sort of symbolic suggestion of competence and trustworthiness and then wanting to be really clearly distinct and like not wanting to make a site that looks so slick that it just looks like another corporate production but one that really emphasizes that oh no just it's hannah and evan that's who you're buying from (laughs) it's it's us yeah so nice enough that it feels trustworthy and usable while being personal enough and different enough that 
you realize you're you are buying from some individuals here. Yeah, you know? scrappy enough to know not to accept returns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's actually something, I mean, that, that's been a huge focus of our past few weeks is things like just thinking a lot about like, how do we want to even stage photos of our RPGs to communicate the level at which we're operating? Mm -hmm. So, you know, for a while we had had um, those like 3D, like some 3D mock-ups. You can get like Photoshop templates where you sort of skew your book so it looks like it's on a 3D nice right mock-up uh and then it's like standing there in the void yeah in the shadow. it's on a white background yeah. or like a colored background and it's super slick i mean sometimes i like seeing those on kickstarter and I, they're especially useful when a book doesn't exist yet um right. but we actually just took those down in favor of like picture questlandia on a rotten tree stump <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i feel I feel pretty good about that change. Like, I think it does communicate like, okay, this site has a has a security certificate. Like, my mm -hmm. credit card isn't just going to get stolen. But I do see that this book is taken on a tree stump. Right. Somebody's thumb is in the photo. There's no <laughs> thumb in the photo. But it's like, we've, we've really, we've thought a lot about this. Yeah. And there's like some ongoing stuff we're figuring out with the presentation of the website because... It's not just a store. Like, it's also a hub for each of these games. Like, Norlandia is the big example, because Norlandia has the physical rulebook, the digital rulebook, and two different versions. It has the printouts you use to, to run the game, and then it has extra printouts you could do optionally to add more stuff to it. And then it has nine separate quick start settings which you could just show as a bundle but also you could offer people to get them individually and have little descriptions of them not to mention the possibility of things like linking people to resources for how to run it online or linking them to other productions of it people who have done live streams of it or whatever yeah and so Shopify is more geared towards you have a catalog of stuff that people purchase. Yeah. And it offers options like, do you want to offer it in a different color? It is. And then it's totally thrown off by like, wait, you want a digital download that comes with the product and you want a clear separated space on the page to include uh, actual place? <laughs> right. Or even it, just the difference of like, if you buy the physical thing, you get the PDF. If you buy the PDF, that's separate. Like, yeah. But wanting those to not just be like a whole bunch of different products on the page showing PDF. You know, this is all a little in the weeds, but it's like, for me, a really interesting uh, project of stretching this website to be clear and accommodate all the different reasons that somebody ends up here. You know, it's, I mean, it's like, yes, we could get into the weeds of like the limitations and frustrations of Shopify or like WooCommerce, but also I think it actually is not, not too in the weeds to say like role-playing games are really unique and this is a struggle. Like this is a challenge with like presenting and selling role-playing games and having, I mean, even though like 
having been a web designer, like I'm, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm bringing all of those skills to our own website because I'm just like approaching it differently. But like having been a web designer and having worked with some of the other role-playing game companies, like it is, this is a challenge that's not unique to us and it's not unique to any platform. It's just like, how do you sell games? So like you're having an e-commerce store. How do you also clearly communicate your like community? Mm -hmm. How do you sometimes tell people even what a role-playing game is? Like, how do you, how do you serve right. all of those people at once in the same place? How do you host, like, Make sure that people also know that you have a Discord or that you host events or where you're going to be at a convention, but also the person who's just there to buy masks, like they don't care. Right. Uh, and I mean, this is like a real, it's a real challenge. It makes me think of, there's somebody who bought, I think, Norlandia from our website recently. And then the person sent us an email and was like, I don't actually know what I bought. I don't. Uh, I just liked the pictures. Can you explain it to me? Is it a book? Is it a game? And we were like... And I was like, oh, you like the pictures? Tell me more. <laughs> like, flatter me, flatter me. But it was... It's like fascinating. Like that's... Uh, that for first of all, that person's giving us a lot of trust. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, like I have these questions. Like I'm like, how did you get here? But it's... I don't think this issue is unique to us and i think that i think people are like slowly figuring it out i think even there's like a confidence that people are developing in asking for money and sort of putting their games as products first without feeling self-conscious about it yeah i don't know i feel like there used to be this pressure or something a few years ago to kind of bury the lead mm -hmm. to be like i'm gonna put this wall of text first about what a role-playing game is what this role-playing game is what makes it special and at the bottom of the page like you can add it to your cart mm -hmm. we have a paypal link yeah the technology's gotten better for like how to format some of these things but also i just feel like the i don't know permission has been granted for like asking for money right up top with your game yeah yeah i mean do you disagree no i do agree i'm just thinking about like why that is i think that maybe a part of it is just like a more like a more legitimized space for indie games to exist in you know even the term indie games is helpful i think and just like Somebody who wants to buy one of these games is like, oh, I go to sites and I, I find the indie game creators. And part of indie games is like you have a closer connection to the people who are actually making it. You end up with games that are a little bit more like weird or experimental. And I'm spending my money on them because that money is supporting them. And like I even prefer it feels like my money goes further when it's directly to independent creators versus a large organization that's a great point yeah um you know those are people like we get some emails from people where we're like oh we sent you something like the wrong thing by mistake let's get you this we got an email recently from somebody who's like oh well thank you for sending the the other thing but i'll buy let me pay you for this thing you accidentally sent me as well right like how often can you imagine like the amazon world where you send somebody the wrong thing and they're like i'd like to pay you for your mistake right and we were like no 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 like please don't pay us for our mistake but yeah you're you're totally right um and sometimes that relationship isn't there and it's i mean that's 
that's okay too. I mean, it, it happens too that sometimes somebody's just like, this game arrived junked because your envelope was bad. And I'm like kind of upset about that. And yeah. that's, that's like, well, that's yeah, right. that's, was like, that's valid too. Like, there are certain things that I feel like it's reasonable to ask people to compromise on if they're buying from an independent creator. Like, we're not going to do Amazon Prime. We don't have, like, a warehouse full of underpaid <laughs> people. Right. I know, like, people where there's a camera on them. <laughs> so there is a camera clocking the number of times we yawn a day. Yeah. But it's not reasonable to expect people to compromise on receiving their game in good condition. Yeah. So we another so we talked about the website. Another thing that I feel like is also like a little bit unique to role playing games and some of these other sort of like I make a creative thing that's kind of weird and also I want more people to know about it is uh the things that you do on the side to support that and reach more people like podcast or streaming on Twitch or uh I mean, Design Doc is a is a good one, and we haven't like we don't we know we don't support Design Doc the way we need to because of this tension that we've often found ourselves in about like the the crunch of time and money. Um, right, is that and like in the intensity of which we're like with which we're working, um, you know, we're not just fucking around like we're we were working on mud full days for just months and months and. Uh, design you you often use the word like bullied the like design doc got bullied and I like <laughs> yeah. that because it's I mean I can't I can't believe our last design doc was in May like I'm we always like will often open with a joke being like it's been a while and I did not open with one this time because I'm like this is like turning into like one of those non jokes that a mm -hmm. dad just keeps saying where you're just like it's, we know it's been a while dad it's a serious problem <laughs> it's a serious and we want problem. you to get help. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the the frequency at which we record and release design doc doesn't match how important design doc is to me and how much i feel like how inter 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 central it is to <laughs> the work that we're doing and like how many people it reaches yeah and you know there's just that's just part of the larger project of introducing people to who we are and what we're doing which i'm super into i just want to keep thinking about ways to do that and bring people in because i feel like we've made cool things that you know have reached just a tiny fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the people who would really appreciate them really dig into them and so how do you let the other people know that you exist how do you say i exist in the world well, I mean, that's what I talk to my therapist about like every week. <laughs> well, that leads to so that leads nicely into one of the other things on our list and something that we're going to be working on and we've wanted to do for a while, which is like asking this question of who is out there who might be excited about role playing games who just like you can't reach through Twitter. Right. Uh, and not even just Twitter, this like very specific corner of Twitter. I mean, it can feel like it can feel like we know we already know all of the people who would ever play a role playing game. It can mm -hmm. it can feel like RPG Twitter is like 
these are this is who you reach uh it it's not it represents like even a small number of people who back rpg kickstarters right like not all of them are in that fold and then there's the people who go into local bookstores right who would be charmed I was one of those people. That right. is literally how I got into role-playing games was picking up a role-playing game in a small game store and not really having a sense of what I was holding. Yeah. Um, I'm picking up a copy of Joshua Newman's Shock and being like, this is a really strange object. And not knowing, I mean, it was a while before I played it also because it was a strange object and like i didn't mm -hmm. have the dice and i didn't quite know like how to start and how to engage in that and so i feel like our work then is twofold it's like seeing if we can get some of our role-playing games into a local bookstore and then giving people the tools so that after they pick it up and they take that leap they can then go to our website and be like oh okay i can like watch this video of somebody playing it mm-hmm very into that project. I'm kind of into the idea. This is something we countered with um, Good Dog, Bad Zombie. It's like the idea of sort of naive players or just like like players who are not exactly hobbyists, but are just like, oh, games? I like games or like, oh, oh my sister likes games. Yeah. Right? And we're not saying like, like that's that's. That's not being said like sneeringly. It is oh been God, like no. they have They're been the wonderful. most like <laughs> wholesome and valuable. Like they're just mm -hmm. these treasured moments. I love connecting with that kind of person. And they're often just really surprised when they're having a good time with it. They also tend to be people who are willing to like take your games at face value, to like read your rules seriously and really try to follow them. You know, they haven't been burned by enough bad games that they're like, okay, well, we'll take the rules with a game of salt, grain of salt. And, oh, yeah, that's you know, a great point. Like, they don't have to be convinced in that way that feels a little bit insincere. Mm -hmm. uh, like, oh, you can trust my game. And, I mean, just the biggest thing about them is that they are not tapped in to news about the newest thing, right? They're not in those Twitter conversations they very often aren't going to be on Kickstarter. They might vaguely know what Kickstarter is. But if they had their hands on this game, they'd play it and love it. Yeah. And I want to reach them. It's tricky. Yeah, it makes me think about... we. I mean, we ask this question all the time about how to reach those people. And it's... The answer is literally, like, you reach those people the way you reach people. And that way is, like, pretty weird and a little scattershot. Do you remember when I had to cancel our... What account was it? Was it, like, TurboTax? There was, like, this really sketchy, like, way oh, yeah. that TurboTax had of canceling. And I thought that I had canceled and then we kept getting charged for it. So I ended up having to, like, call TurboTax, which who calls people? I'm the only millennial who calls people. <laughs> and I, like, got on the phone with somebody from TurboTax. And, you know, he was just like, oh, what's your business? What do you do? And <laughs> you were, like, in the other room. And I, like, was talking to this person on the phone for like 45 minutes about you know and i i am not a person who when somebody's like what do you do i'm like blah, blah, blah. like i don't want to just trap somebody in a conversation about games always be selling 
You know, he was, we'll say it's, I don't remember his name. We'll say it's Peter. Um, you know, Peter was like, well, what, you know, what do you, what do you do? And I was like, board games. But then he just kept asking. Yeah. Um, and then he went to our website and was like, well, tell me about Questlandia. Well, tell me about Noirlandia. <laughs> and I think he signed up for our mailing list. Like, <laughs> And that's somebody who, that. I, I mean, it's like, it's this magical, like, there is no exact way to know how to reach the Peters who live in West Virginia and work for TurboTax. Right. But we can try to get creative and at least get our games into a bookstore where somebody's going to walk in and have no idea what this is, but be willing to take that chance. Right. And that's something we've always wanted. And we're just going to press on it to see how far we can get over the next few weeks in actually reaching out to bookstores. Uh, and I don't know, doing thinking about whatever else we can do. Send your suggestions. How do you reach people? Yeah. How do you exist? How do you exist as a person in the world? <laughs> I feel like one of the final things is that, you know, these... A lot of what we're thinking about and some of these things that we've wanted to do for years are also changing um, in the face of COVID times. Uh-huh. Like, we can't go to conventions. Right. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. They're opening back up again, but, like, that's going to be, like, it's a matter of personal comfort, and I'm not sure where things are going to fall, but at least we haven't been able to go to conventions for almost two years now. Right. So... I, it's time to get a little creative. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. I think I, I can't remember if I said this in our last episode or not, but it's like I'm looking a lot to independent like Instagram potters and stuff to get inspiration for how to reach people uh, right. thinking outside of just games. And it's cool. It's it's neat. To be like, yeah. I love the way this person who makes these mugs, like, engages the people who care. How do we do that? Yeah, we're just going to try a lot of things. We're going to cancel a lot of TurboTax subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Tomorrow I'll go and close our bank account and I'll see if it nets us a new mailing list subscriber. <laughs> so... With that, there's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, this, like, supportive turtle bun non-game work. And then there's the game work. So, like, let's close with that. 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 It's <laughs> very hard to do a transition <laughs> into an outro. Um, so one of the things that we haven't done yet that I want to do is to do, like, a broad revisiting of all the projects that we've touched on. Some of them are just major spotlight ones like Starship Ultralux and Questlandia 2. A lot of them are just little ideas, sometimes projects that we've gone some distance on. Um, there are like a couple dozen of those at least. And, you know, I want to revisit those and think about them and certainly want whatever we work on next to be coming from a space of like genuine excitement and care of its subject matter. And also I'm imagining that we're going to be doing some overlapping of a few different kinds of projects at once because they're different kinds of work. They're very different scopes and linear time is just sort of unacceptable 
in terms of just <laughs> doing one thing and finishing it before you can do the next. Yeah, yeah. Linear time is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bumper sticker that I want. Uh, a shirt. Sometimes, yeah. I want. I would like a shirt that says "Linear time is unacceptable." Okay, I'm gonna write it down. And okay, let's, write it down. Yeah. yeah, put it in our our Slack. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, while you put it down, I have to ask. All right, so linear time is unacceptable is obviously a good one. We thought of this other shirt idea. <laughs> it's just like got bats on it, like some bats that Evan draws. And then it said, says, angels are everywhere. Do people like that shirt idea? <laughs> For some reason, we thought this was literally the funniest joke we'd ever thought of. I love it's angels are like, everywhere shirt. I don't know. It's it's like I like it because biblical angels are pretty intense and it's confusing. I like it. So tell us Inter which shirts. interact with us. <laughs> Give us answers. <laughs> so that's the broad overview of the game plan. The details are what you want to decide right now what are we doing next questlandia 1.5 questlandia has been out of stock as we mentioned in a previous episode people are like wait what am i just starting... <laughs> i'm having like a weird time loop of listening to i feel like we started an episode linear time is unacceptable unacceptable, <laughs> I think <we> started... unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> there's an episode from a number of months ago where we literally start with words like questlandia is out of stock yeah so... it is but it still is still is and, you know, I look at that out of stock on our store and I'm like, why aren't we selling Questlandia 1? Yeah. And I'm like, well, Questlandia 1 was not, it needed a lot of work. That's why. And it's out of print. <laughs> and and so then work. we've just had this back and forth conversation about, you know, if we're not going to do a straight reprint, but we're going to correct the things that we feel like could use correction in that book. Well, how much are we doing? How much are we changing it? How much are we updating it? Yeah. And how much of a project is that? And the more of a project it is, the more it pushes back Starship Ultralux Questlandia 2. You saw me intake air. Like yeah, I was going to say something. Yeah. What's, <laughs> no, what's happening in that no, air? I don't know. I mean, Evan and I have been having like this sort of dis I don't even want to call it a disagreement. It is like an active. It's just this. It's an ongoing conversation about what the Questlandia reprint is going to be. I personally think I've come up with a really cool idea, and I'm not going to say it because we're still debating it. Yeah. But the idea is basically, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's basically this, like, middle idea between Questlandia 2 and doing a straight reprint of Questlandia 1 that's like a Questlandia 1.5 that almost kind of negates the need for Questlandia 2 because it sort of turns Questlandia 1, the redesigned version, into part of what's essentially like a trilogy of uh -huh. games that kind of build on each other. That's the idea. I said it. This is why I can never do surprise parties with other people. <laughs> I'm like, I got something in the works. There it's is a an event party. happening, but I'm not talking about the details because those details are that it's a party <laughs> it's for you. It's your surprise tomorrow. It's, a, yeah. it's your birthday. Everybody's there Sorry. and they're invited. Yeah. I think that's a decent idea. It just, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel tension on both sides of like, 
wanting to just put out the game. And also, I guess, not wanting to change Questlandia 1 that much, because I think it's worthwhile as it is. Yeah. And maybe like a little bit of a sense of foreboding about ideas that are simple to say, but actually involve revisiting every single word in an entire book and rewriting it. I feel like a little attacked. <laughs> like, it's like you didn't say, it's like, it's like, say your sense of foreboding is me without saying your sense of foreboding is me. <laughs> it's like, maybe this is the graphic novel edition. I know. I'm trying to get a more realistic sense of like what, what these things actually mean and what it looks like to complete them. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. I also want to, like, dream dream big. You know, there's, like, a world where we could do Questlandia just being, like, we just corrected a few typos and clarity issues. We did it in two days, and then we ran a one-week Kickstarter, and then we have it in stock again. And we move on to Q2 as its own big thing. I know. We don't have to do this right now. <laughs> it's okay. Well, we're doing this again. This conversation again. <laughs> So I don't know where we'll land on that. I guess we should probably talk about it in the next episode or something. Well, it's going to be on our minds. So yeah. yeah. But then there's Starship Ultralux, which has been like recently we looked at really scaling back what's involved mm-hmm. in that game. And I I mean, I love Starship Ultralux and I really want to give it some time. And it's in a one of those woogity states of... So its design could go in a lot of different directions right now. And in, like the Questlandia reprint, it's unclear how big a project it needs to be at this point. And then there's Questlandia 2, which overlaps potentially with this Questlandia 1 reprint. You know, in the world where the Questlandia 1 reprint is actually really meant to be the lead-in and like part of the set that is the Questlandia line of games or yeah. whatever... That would involve us kind of designing Questlandia 2 first so oh, that we can properly hook the first Yeah, I mean I would into I it. would basically basically consider that us like completing our obligations. Like I would consider Questlandia 1.5 that was the first of a trilogy like I'd consider that Questlandia 2. Does that make sense? Like it would be it would be like we've we have come to the point where we have envisioned what that's going to look like and right. it is part of this and it's just the first thing. release of the 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 full entity that and is and then we'll stop doing design Q2. doc and it'll all be yeah done i never want to stop doing design doc we don't have to tell them we're done with it right? <laughs> like they're not going to notice <laughs> can be like oh yeah we're still working on q2 we just have to finish q4 first oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um there are so many other side projects. I'm really excited about Dream Journal. I know we got to get back to Dream Journal. I mean, we were making that like awesome twine game about Disneyland, yeah. Disney World, sort of like acid trip of a time loop game. We had another video game planned where you're a monster and yeah. you're living out your life before the heroes come and get you. I know. I think we mentioned all of these like in the last episode. I but... bet we didn't mention the hat game. We didn't mention the hats. There's a hat game. There's one about hats. It's all like it's all good stuff. We want to do it all. Yeah. 
which this all gets back to the linear time issue. Yeah. Like, really do want to do all of these. When we put our attention on a project, no matter how small it seems, we bring a lot of care toward it being really good. <laughs> I don't know. We both have like a way of like going over it, passing over it again and again and again, and sort of like revitalizing our standards. And that makes projects take longer. It makes them change form. It makes them into things that I'm like proud of. And I really love our process, but it makes it hard to think of anything on our docket and really call it a small project. Because I always have this sense of like, well, it seems small in the description, but when we actually train our eyes upon it and start doing the work from day to day and keep asking, is this working? How could this be better? I don't know what it'll become. Yeah. You know, that was the mud experience. And it became something that was bigger. And I love what it became. And now we're thinking of other things with it. One of the work we didn't even mention was like looking at publishers for mud and thinking about whether it has that kind of future. Yeah. So in conclusion, uh, this is like, you know, just the beginning of our conversations on these topics. And we're going to see sort of what form this all takes in coming months. And I think what it looks like to sort of put in all this work to front load all of this work and getting our website and getting like social media stuff that's actually good where we're posting somewhat regularly and then you know see what it looks like to then do this as maintenance work while getting back to to the game design work of it all just by listening to design doc you're supporting that work um that's not even like that's that's not even an untruth it's no. true. It's like, this is, it's just really support. It's like really supportive to be reaching so many people. I'm amazed that the people have still stuck on, stuck on like a barnacle on the <laughs> ship of Questlandia 2, and we're all sinking together. Um, <laughs> um, if you'd like to support our work from month to month, we do have a Patreon. It's a turtle bun dot com slash patreon is not what it is that um, works too right <laughs> either uh, way patreon.com slash turtle bun if you'd like to support our work from month to month we do have a patreon uh the patreon goes to directly supporting design doc and you know some of the other little projects that we're doing and patrons also often get access to some of the smaller games that we make like you an astronaut like Enter the Orb, which actually aren't small games. They're big no. games, and they just got substantial updates. And uh, if you want to get in as a patron, all patrons are getting the updated versions of those games. Mm -hmm. It's just one perk of being a part of Turtle Bun activities for $2 or more a month. It's um, a hot perk. <laughs> so, uh, and we should welcome, we should welcome a new patron. Today, I would like to thank our new patron, Father Ben. Father Ben is that gamer priest on Twitch. Uh, we did a really cool, I really liked the interview that we did. It was really nice talking to him. Yeah, we did a really nice interview uh, the other night with Ben. I, I feel like it's going to be up on YouTube. And it was really nice. We talked about like mud and spirituality and uh, just really, it was a really nice interview. Ben, you're a really nice person. <laughs> <laughs> um, also i invite anyone listening to join our discord where you can listen to us type instead of talk yeah 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we just launched a Discord. You know, it's part of sort of building a broader community out of the turtle bun stuff. Um, And it's going to... I died. I died. I'm deceased. Yeah, you got to say Discord again. (laughs) I got hot and confused. So we just started up this Discord server. I'm excited about it. I like the idea of being able to chat with people about the games that we're making or other stuff that they're playing or just to meet folks. Feel free to join as just a fly on the wall or... A barnacle on the ship. A barnacle on the ship. Or an active chat, or, turtle bun or chatter. Yeah. Like, and I don't know. I mean, the dream is that some turtle bun fans can meet each other have fun, talk about stuff, start a family, live a future. <laughs> I was wondering. What... <laughs> the like... more marriages, <laughs> the turtle bun inspires, mm-hmm. polycules and life partnerships. <laughs> we want to be the origin story. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll put a Discord link in uh when we publish the episode to one shot, the one shot uh, website will put a link to the discord and i'll also try to drop it into like the show notes but links are weird yeah. sometimes they show up in you podcasts. also can find a link on turtlebun.com oh yeah that's true and you can also check out all that stuff we said we did like yes. the rotten log picture the rot yeah check out we would i mean we would really love to get a few website orders <laughs> it's very validating <laughs> yeah um and we ship pretty fast actually some days i think we compete with amazon prime not that it's mm-hmm. like my goal to be jeff bezos and go to the stars but like you know <laughs> like if you want to buy mud it gets us one step closer <laughs> to becoming billionaires and then eating ourselves <laughs> you know because you have to yeah either it okay, yeah yeah no i follow sure. i was like is that too weird is that okay i got swept up thinking about email orders that's <laughs> all I, I checked out for a second i was like add to cart button <laughs> Um, that's it. Do is there any other? Do you do we talk about Twitter? No, we're done. Follow us on Twitter <laughs> at twitter.com slash design doc pod or turtle and bun. The Design Doc intro-outro theme is written by Pat King. Thanks, Pat. Design Doc is hosted by the OneShot Network. OneShot also hosts other podcasts, like System Mastery. System Mastery is a delightful stroll through the history of role-playing games, except the games are terrible and the hosts are real jerks about everything. I feel like I need to... Make clear that that's not me. That's, I know. That is I feel like, like I think you're crying a little. <laughs> it's so hard for me to say that. It's a, yeah. Um, that's not us. That's them. Join hosts Jeff and John as they explore the weirdest games ever made to talk about what worked, what went wrong, and which Silverhawk was the best. It was Hotwing. Don't even add us. Find their shows at systemmasterypodcast.com. That was a hard one emotionally it was yeah i don't know why they have to write that i know we're gonna have to write like a design doc one yeah for them maybe with their permission we're gonna be like jeff and john are very nice 
people. <laughs> They're going to be jerks to us about it if we try that. <laughs> well, uh, that's what we got for you today, heroes. We'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>